On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with a survivor named Dallas, and Dallas was in a toxic relationship with a stonewalling narcissist. It's a story of future faking, subtle abuse, trying to prove yourself, and dangling carrots. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning into this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now before we get to our episode with Dallas, where things really start to unfold in a big way toward the end of her story, I just first want to thank everyone in the Narcissist Apocalypse community for listening to the show and sharing your thoughts by email, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Also, a reminder, if you have not left us a review on whatever podcast service you use, Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, CastBox, etc., etc., please leave us a five-star review as it helps out the show a lot when it comes to rankings. Now, if you have not been to our website recently at NarcissistApocalypse.com, please do go there if you want to be part of of our show. At the top of the page, you'll say, be a guest on our show. There's a button there at the top. Press it at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Fill out the guest form and we will go from there. But another way to be on our show is to be part of our Letters to My Narcissist compilation episode. Also, you can get there by, by going to NarcissistApocalypse.com. There's a floating button on the side of the page. It says send voicemail. Click on that button. It records up to five minutes. Leave your letter on there. If you need more than five minutes, click that button a second time. Click it a third time. Click it a fourth time. You'll eventually get there with all the time that you need. We are accumulating these letters for a volume five of that episode. And if you don't want to read your letter yourself, you want us to read it myself or my old pal, Melissa... Send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com and put letters to my narcissist in the subject line. What else is going on at NarcissistApocalypse.com? Well, I'm glad you asked, everyone. If you go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses, we are now offering high-conflict parenting courses because we have partnered with an online parenting company called Online Parenting. And many of the courses we're offering were created by Bill Eddy. And if you've Listen to our episode last year with a divorce lawyer named Helen. You'll know that Bill Eddy is an expert in dealing with these individuals in court. And now he's helped create many parenting courses to help you through divorce and to help support your children too. These courses are the most widely recognized courses by family courts across the country. So if you want to support the show and are looking for guidance, please do go to NarcissistApocalypse.com slash courses. 
Another way to support the show is by becoming a patron of our Patreon. Yes, we started a Patreon. You guys know this already, but for the new people, you don't. So anyway, you can go to patreon.com slash Narcissist Apocalypse. We have episodes with former guests, episodes that never made it to air, and much, much more. Sometimes there's a little bit of rambling between myself and my old pal, Melissa. Hey, Melissa. How are you? You were coming back from the cottage. I hope you had a great time. Anyway, what else do we have going on here? I think it's almost time for us to start the show. And that's a good thing because I am a bit under the weather. I'm going to be go getting a, a COVID test uh, tomorrow. I do have a sore throat. I've been run down the last few days. I slept a lot today. Things are in my ears. I have no idea what's going on. Hopefully, I don't have anything besides a regular virus. Um, and that's it. I'm going to uh, get out of my way and your way. Here is my conversation with Dallas. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Dallas. How are you? Good. How are you? I am doing well. It is a Monday night. I I just got up from a nap. Actually, I took a nap right before right. this. And <laughs> That's important. I I needed to be awake, and I didn't want to use coffee because then yeah. I would have been yeah. up all night. So uh, I just want to thank you for being here, and uh, I'm just going to get out of my way and your way, Dallas. The floor is now yours. All right. Thanks so much. Um, I'm happy to be on the show. I've been kind of thinking about what to talk about for the last little while. Um, so I guess I'll start with a little background on who I am, how I was, how I grew up. Um, so I grew up in a pretty nuclear family, like mom and dad stayed together. Uh, my mom was a little bit on the anxious side, so sometimes there was some tiptoeing around her in the household. Um, I grew up... Um, kind of idolizing love, like kind of idolizing this, you know, perfect idea of what love should look like. And I had a high school boyfriend that I dated for just a year and a half. And um, I was really heartbroken when we broke up. And so I was single in my 20s for about nine years after that high school experience because it was like extremely, I guess, like heartbreaking and soul shattering. And I kind of went back into my shell basically throughout all my 20s and kind of, you know, grew myself and worked on myself. I went to school, I got my master's um, and yeah, so throughout my 20s, I was basically thinking of, you know, men being something that's not as important to me because like the only man that I knew from like my childhood hurt me so bad that like I just kind of avoided the whole thing. And then when I was 27, 28, you know, I had a couple one-year relationships with guys that I knew were safe. Um, so I dated a, a few men in my late 20s that were um, really easygoing, really friendly guys. But I knew that, you know, I knew that they couldn't hurt me because I, I felt like I wasn't completely invested. And so when I reached my 30s, when I, when I turned 30, I, um, I moved to a brand new city in Canada. So I lived in Alberta. And... I moved to this brand new city and I got this really awesome job after finishing my master's and I was feeling like really on top of the world. I had a lot of friends in that city already, so I was really excited to move there. So for the first six months, I was just enjoying enjoying being single, enjoying kind of my time getting to know the city and getting to know 
um, what my new career would look like. And, you know, it was a really fast paced career too. It was like really um, kind of stressful at times, but also really, really rewarding. And I was um, working for the public and I was working for uh, different um, charitable groups and stuff like that. So I felt a lot of meaning behind the work I was doing. And I had a ton of friends and, um, so we would go out sometimes, like obviously go to the bars and go to, um, you know, different like trivia. I remember that we would always go to the trivia nights at this one bar. And so this one night we were out at this one bar, we were doing trivia. Um, we were outside waiting for an Uber and I basically, I remember looking over and this guy was just staring at me. And I remember this feeling of like, like this guy's really cute and this guy's really attractive, but like we kind of had a little bit of a connection, just like just there on the street, like just completely random on the street. And I was about to get into an Uber. So I was about to get into an Uber to go to my friend's place. And um, yeah, so him and I kind of had a little moment where we were chatting and he said, do you mind if I get your number? Like, can you, can you write your number down somewhere? And I grabbed the Uber's, he had like a business card that I put um, my number onto and I gave it to him. And I remember being in the cab and just feeling like that was a really weird interaction. And just, I was like, yeah, it could just be like, I'm really friendly right now. Like just had a few drinks or just, you know, feeling really charismatic. Like, you know, I had been dating a couple people during that summer, but nothing really gelled. So I think I was going back into like a little bit of a shell. Like I've gone through these periods of, you know, getting out of myself and then going back into my shell a little bit just to protect myself and just say like, I, I don't really care if I meet anyone. So I was in that place. I was in the place of like not really caring what happens. And so, so before, so, my- so, sorry. So before, um, you know, you, you meet this guy and you have been going for, I guess probably the last, uh, 12, 13 years of really, uh, being, uh, hesitant to date men did you ever yeah. go look deeper into any of that or did you just always focus on your career career and really not delve into what had happened yeah I never I never delved I think I think because I kept I kept thinking of myself as being a strong woman I think because of what happened to me when I was 18, if it, it made me crumble, like, until I was, like, 22. Like, it made me feel um, really low self, self-esteem until I was about 22. So I think I built myself to kind of protect myself against that by, you know, having a good career and having lots of friends. So I was, like, I was like the epitome of, like, your strong woman. Like, if anyone would talk to me, it's, like, high confidence, high, you know, like, charismatic, all that kind of stuff. Like, that's kind of who I was. And people would see me as like not necessarily the type to settle down, and I think that's rude. It's rooting from me, like being almost afraid of like finding someone that will hurt me again. Mm-hmm. So and, that's where it's coming from. And as far as your family goes, uh, did you have uh, was there anything at all going on with uh, your parents, like uh, how you behaved in the house? I would say, yeah, like. We weren't allowed to show emotion. So I remember as a kid, like my sister, for some reason, my sister's younger. So my sister, for some reason, had a good childhood. Like she had an upbringing that um, things seemed to be going well for her all the time. Whereas I always seemed to be like moody. Like they said, I was like an old soul. Like, you know, when they say she has an old soul, but it's really like sadness and 
like just I felt like I couldn't um like voice myself and my I remember my mom just wanting us to be quiet, like wanting us to be muted. And I think like I definitely know now that it stems from my mom. Like it's all this stuff completely stems from like me trying to earn her love and trying to like trying to show that I'm worthy and like I'm like even just me as I am, like if I'm sad, if I'm angry, if I'm whatever emotions I was feeling at the time as a kid, they were all mute. They're all like stuffed down, like snuffed. So, so, so I felt like, yeah. So is it fair to say that with the first boyfriend that really broke your heart, that you were trying to do your best to earn that person's love and then it was rejected? Yeah, yeah I would say that. Like I said, I, I would say that I unfolded for him. Like I, I opened, I opened up to him and it, it, it broke my heart when he left. And I think it didn't, it, like, I didn't react in a way that I think a lot of people would have like, normally a breakup wouldn't unfold or like, like, you know, make you feel shattered as I did, but I just felt shattered because it's like, this is the first time I've opened up, do you know what I'm saying? To oh, another yeah. human being. And so then I felt shattered because, because it's like the first time showing my real self to someone. Mm-hmm. So then, then I just went back into my shell for like all my twenties, like all like nine years of it. So makes total, um, sen- total sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> And so when I met this guy, and like I'll also say that I've always been on like purposefully unattractive or unattracted to unattractive guys. So when I see a, a man that's like handsome and like he looks like you know he's got like you know good hair and good clothes and like is a really attractive man, I often just immediately avoid them. And I think that's also like a strategy from my childhood or from that breakup in high school. So I often go for like the goofy guys or they, you know, like they're friendly, but they're safe. They're okay, just okay. like, it's yeah. So you kind of can get that picture. So this person, like my narc, when I met him on the street, he was just well-dressed, nice shoes, like beautiful to look at. Like I remember he had blue piercing eyes and I, and but I didn't think that he wasn't for me. Like, I didn't think he was out of my league because of how much he was like staring. And like, he was asking me questions about who I am and like, Oh, like you're so beautiful. And like, he was just so invested in me just in those first few minutes that I was like kind of leaving, letting my guard down already. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the next day I had his, or um, I gave him my number, but I was just kind of not waiting by the phone, so to speak. I was just like letting it go. Like I completely let it go because I was like, it's just another one that's just going to, waste my time or like, you know, like it's, it's, he's not really into me. Um, but then he did message me and we chatted for like two and a half hours that first night. Like it was like almost three hours and just talking about, he was at a wedding at the time and he was just saying, you know, like, what did you get up to the other night? I said, yeah, my friends came back to my apartment. We had a few more drinks and, you know, it's really strange that we met and like, we're already talking this much. And he said, well, we should go grab coffee. And so we went to grab coffee and I met him, I'll say I met him in the rain. So it was dark where, when we met. So when I saw him, when I, I was going to the coffee shop to meet him. And when I saw him in the full light, um, I realized that he had this like kind of cute and humble, like not goofy face, but like he had like this smile that was kind of like slanted, like kind of crooked. So I was like, okay, you're not completely perfect. You're like, you know, you have, you do have some, you know, like, um, human, like I could see humanity in his face, which now I realize, I don't know what I saw, but like, um, I, I could empathize with him. I could feel comfortable with him. And so we sat down for coffee and I remember on the walk, we, we had coffee and then we went for a walk and we were already, we were already holding hands. 
and you know, he's saying, what are you up, what are you up to for Halloween? And I really want to have kids one day because I want to take them out trick or treating. And I was 30 at the time. So I just felt like, Oh wow. Like this guy wants kids and he's attractive and he's really, um, really into me. And so at the end of that date, you know, he drove me home. We were listening to my girl by the temptations. And I just remember thinking like, like he just seems like wholesome. Like he just seems, you know, like who listens to the temptations, like in their car driving around, like it was just really nice. Um, and then he got out of the car and he gave me a hug. He didn't, he didn't even go for, in for a kiss or anything. Like it was just really um, respectful and like he was a gentleman. And, and then, yeah. And then we just, the next day and the next day, like we kept hanging out and I was at the dog park with him and he was telling me about his career and he's telling me about his friends and his life. And he mentioned that he was in the military. And my first thought about the military um, is that they're a little more like regimented in their life. And I, I will say that I'm a, I come from a background of a little more like, um, like liberal, I'd say like more like, like I would connect more with like kind of people that are like wallflowers, like kind of just like a little bit hippie, a little bit like, um, like for instance, I would burn like incense in my place. So that like kind of gives you an idea of like the kind of person I was. And it just felt like it was like really contrasted to like him being in the military and like very like well-dressed and like, um, you got your, had like, a really, you clean, got your, had like, a really clean car. You guys like, are like Dharma and Greg. Dharma and Greg. I was just going to say Dharma and Greg. It's exactly like that. So I was like the 1950, the, the 1950s version, Dharma and Greg. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we were really different, but then I just kept thinking, but like, he's just, we just feel that I, I felt the connection to him already. So it felt like I didn't even have, I didn't even have to choose him. Like it was just already happening. And looking back, I feel like that, maybe that was the first red flag. Like there's more to come, but like, that was the first, like, like when I really think about it, I've never sunk that deep into someone so quickly. Like after, it was only a week like until we were both like, let's be boyfriend, like let's label this, like we're exclusive. Um, and usually it takes like a month, right? Like it, you know, you get to know each other and get to know each other's friends. Like it took two months for him to meet my friends. And um, it was just him and I for those first two months, like ex- like almost five days a week, we would be together. Ooh. And, and it just was really intense. And it was just, you know, um, it was really intense. And, and then when he did meet my friends for the first time, um, it was Halloween. And I mentioned like we went out and he mentioned Halloween, but come Halloween. So we went out with all my friends and I just remember him making comments to me about my friends and saying, Oh, like your friends are a little bit like, you know, like, I don't know if they like the military very much. Cause when I told them I was in the military, they seemed to like scoff at it. And they seemed to like, like he was already criticizing my friends. Um, and at the time, like I was obviously hanging out with a little more like liberal, like whatever people like, they're just like, um, yeah, not as regimented, not as conservative in their views. So he, he just was already putting them down. And I said, oh, these are my friends. Like, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I, I'm sure they like you. Like he was more saying like, I don't know if they like me. And I said, no, like, I know that they like you, like, it's fine. And so I was trying to reassure him that my friends liked him. And it was kind of more of the same. Like we hung out a few more times until December, until Christmas. And he came home to visit my family. And then so, my, so how long into the relationship is he coming home to uh, Christmas? Uh, three months. So three, so three months in week yeah. one, you guys were already had discussed kind of children. 
You're holding mm-hmm. hands on date one. Your boyfriend, mm-hmm. a labeled boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, after uh, one week, after yeah. one week, and uh, on month three, you are meet. He's meeting. He's not just meeting your parents. He's coming to your Christmas in your hometown. Yeah, and uh, my hometown. Okay. I'll say that this was Alberta that I met him, and then we flew together to Ontario. Okay. So it's not only it's not just even like a dinner or an afternoon with my parents. It was like let's fly across the whole country together. So it was um he had to obviously stay there for about 4 or 5 days in Ontario with us. So he stayed in my childhood home, you know, like hung out with my parents and met them and everything. Um so, so and I'll just oh, sorry. Yeah. So at this point uh you know, was there other stuff about the future? or mirroring uh, that he was doing in these three months where you said, like, this person, yeah, I'm Dharma, yeah, he's Greg, but we're really on the same mm-hmm. page for what we want? Yeah, it was. So we we weren't talking about marriage or kids explicitly, but it just felt like he would always say, I'm his soulmate. He would say, you know, you're, you're the one for me, and, like, I can't wait to grow old with you. Like, it, it, was, it was long-term stuff. Like, everything we talked about was long-term. So I felt like, I felt like he was worth, worth investing in because at that point it was just it was on it was just sunshine and rainbows and it was like we're in this together and it felt like we were like two against the world. Um, and I will say that he gave me a necklace that his mom and his brother's girlfriend also had. So this necklace was kind of it comes up later too in the story. It's like it represented like being part of the club of his family and like you're now one of us like you're now one of our family like you wear this necklace to like show your love to me and that was like the first thing that I felt really special and I felt like you know I had the same this like hand carved because it's like he went through this hand carved necklace thing that's like a little heart and he's like my mom has the same one but it's like a different carving of the heart and so I just felt like I was part of the club part of his family's club and oh sorry i met his family at thanksgiving as well so it was, it was just moving really quickly up until december and, so, so canadian thanksgiving um, you met them uh so that's like a full almost a full two months uh before mm-hmm. that so really after a month you met the family this has moved really yeah. really fast so you're hooked at this point yeah. like you are hooked line and sinker and yeah. and yeah. you know um eventually i i just want to go off for one second, did you eventually find that whole family thing creepy? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it, like, there's so many layers to his family. It's okay. Well, it, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll we'll, get into we'll, it. We'll, we'll get there. I'm sorry. I so, just wanted, I just wanted to ask because yeah. that's the first thought that came to my mind. Uh, but yeah. I've been I've been doing this show for way too long, and I'm and I'm jaded, so I I know yeah, something no where it's coming. Um, um, sorry. Continue. And I'm gonna go backwards. Yep. I'm going to go backwards a little bit because there was a few red flags in that first month. So before coming home to Christmas, before I met his family at Thanksgiving, um, we were really still like deep in love after, you know, like I said, like after, th- after three weeks, three weeks, we said, our love, our I love you. And so we said each like we were camping and it was like, and I will say that camping is like my favorite thing to do. And we went camping and like, that was where we exchanged. I love you. So that was like, really special for me because it's like, oh, we're camping and this is like where my happy place is and we're exchanging I love yous and it was just super romantic. Um, And I would say about a month in, like a week after we said our I love yous, I just mentioned to him that the group I was with the night I met him was one of the people that was in my group, like of our friends I had dated previously. And so I just kind of like, I, like I was in the, I remember I was in the shower and he was like in the bathroom 
brushing his teeth or something like we we're in the same room and i was just like oh by the way we're going to be seeing uh, my friends later tonight i just want you to know like in case it ever comes up like i did used to date that one guy the one person that um i brought like you met him that night but you didn't know but i brought him back to our apartment there was four of us like staying in my apartment so it wasn't just him and i but like i just want you to know that like there's a history there in case it comes up and i thought it was me being like honest about it and he just this was like a month in so he just he opened the shower curtain he's like so you lied to me and and i said i didn't lie i just i didn't want like i just met you i didn't want to say like oh here's a guy i used to date like right away and I didn't, like, I just didn't think it was important and because I didn't really know if, like, you know, you and I were going to move ahead and, like, I just didn't think it was relevant. And he accused me of lying already into into that, like, in that first month. And I remember thinking that was, it made me really uncomfortable. I remember that feeling in my stomach feeling like I feel like I'm defending something I didn't do. Um, or I'm, I'm defending something that, like, is there's nothing wrong, but he's thinking that there's something wrong. And that was the first time that he asked me about other men and there was like lots of times after that he would ask me about previous like either boyfriends or lovers or whoever very very like detailed like he would ask me like what were they like in bed and what were what was your ex-boyfriend like how do I measure up to him and I always chalk that up to like oh he must love me a lot because he's he cares about like how he measures up to these other men but looking back it's like that gave me the ick like it gave me that stomach feeling of like I have something already to be ashamed of. Like, you know what I mean? Like having a past boyfriend mm-hmm. or having a past person I dated, like he was already questioning me about that. And that was in one month, like in October. So that was, that would happen like intermittently. I would say like, it wasn't, it wasn't like in your face. Like it was like once in a while he would throw that comment and like, Oh, like how many people have you been with? And like, what were they like? And like, just very, like very intense questions. And they, they weren't like inquisitive, like, Oh, I'm curious. And I want to hear about, I want to hear stories about your life. Like it was more like, you need to fess up about all your past experiences. Like as if I was confessing. Um, and so it just, it made me feel the ick, but then I would just get over it in like a few hours because I'd be like, he's great. <laughs> so like, he's, he's fine. Like it's, everything's fine. Like he, like he asked those questions because he is curious about me and he like, loves me or whatever, but I still felt like annoyed by it. So like, I would still like, be like, no, you can't ask me those questions. Like that's like, you're crossing boundaries, but he kept crossing that kind of boundary throughout our entire relationship, at least definitely for that first year. So he came home for, I'll just jump back. He came home home for Christmas and I will say that my mom has been having or had been having mental health issues and she had attempted suicide quite a few times. Like my mom had been going through a lot. Like she'd been going through over five years, a lot of um, issues with her mental health. And my dad pulled my ex aside and he said, I want you to like take care of my daughter because I don't know what's going to happen with her mom. Um, And you know, she's going to be checked into like a psychiatric hospital soon. And we don't know what we're doing just yet, but like, just know that like extra, you know, like care or something. And he's like, oh, I'm, like, totally ready for that. Like, I'm, I'm taking care of her already. I, like, I promise, like, I'll, I'll, you know, do my best to do everything I can. Like, the, he basically was, like, the, like stepped, up, stepped up as the hero. Like, he's like, yes, like, I, I'm that person. Um, and so my dad trusted him. Like, everyone in my family loved him. And, and I already had, like, I remember in January after Christmas, I already had feelings of lower self-esteem starting and I think it was because he had already built me so high on this pedestal that I felt like 
like, I'm not really who he thinks I am. I must not be like, like, cause he keeps saying I'm like incredible and I'm like an amazing, I'm the love of his life. And, but then he's also like jealous constantly. He, he would always ask me like, where are you going? Who are you seeing? Like, give me lists of names of who you're seeing. And so I just, I constantly felt like in some ways I'm his perfect girl, but then in other ways he doesn't like the fact that I have a past and he doesn't like the fact that like I've ever been with anyone ever. And so I felt this like duality between his, with his love for me. And so I just kept like this, like, it's like the subtle feeling that like, he's trying to make me into something like trying to make me into, into his perfect girlfriend. And I just kept thinking like, I'm just a person like, you know how, like after three months, your flaws come out, like every, everyone has flaws. Mm -hmm. And I kept being afraid. I'm like, I don't want him to see me like in my pajamas without makeup yet. Like, I don't want him to see me like, you know, if I'm sick or if I'm in the washroom, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want him to know me as like in any way having like, like humanity or like having like flaws and stuff like that. Cause he thought I was so perfect. And so I remember feeling really insecure by January that like I wasn't living up to his standard or wasn't living up to like what he already thought of me. And so come March, my mom passed away. Like she had died by suicide and it was horrible. And I remember the first thing I thought of when, well, like there's a lot of things I thought of when she died, but I was at work when I got the call from my sister, she's like, you need to come home. Mom's you know, passed away, you need, like, we, you need to come back home. And I remember driving home, and I didn't think of my narc at the time. Like, I was just thinking of my family. And I got home, and I was like, and I was like, oh, I need to call him. But then I had this weird thought in my head that's like, I don't know if he can handle this. Like, this is, this is a flaw. And now looking back, it's, like, so messed up to think of this, but, like, I felt like I didn't want to tell him because that would mean that, like, something's flawed about me or my family. And, or something, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. something's wrong. And I felt like I don't even want to call him because I don't know if he can support me. I don't know if he'll be able to say to me, like, it's all going to be okay. Or if, I don't know, like there's just already seeds of doubt. Like, and it's hard to look back to the exact moments, but there's already seeds of doubt that like, I'm not good enough for him. And me telling him this, and I remember him coming over. I did tell him like, you should come over right now. Like I, I have an, have an emergency. And he came over and he was like the hero. Like he walked in the house. He's like, what's up? Like I will help with anything. And I, and I said, I don't, I don't know if you can, I don't know if this is like, if you want to hand, if you want to deal with this stuff, but like, I'm going to be going through something in the next little while. Cause my mom just passed away by suicide. And like, I have to fly home immediately. Like I have to go home. And he immediately was like swooped in and he's like, Oh, like I'll book your plane ticket. Like I'll, I'll do everything for you. Like just, no, you just sit there. You just relax. And like, he hugged me and it was like, you know, I, I did feel consoled by him on that first day. Um, but then flying home and he was there for the funeral. And like, honestly, when I look back, I don't remember much of this. This happens when any parent dies. I think like you just don't have memories of it. But I remember my sister saying to me like, oh, like your your ex is like super like nice. And like, wow, he's really taking care of you. And like, he's asking questions and he's just like, he's part of the family. Like, she's just like, I'm so glad he's here. Um, he just looked like the hero, but then when we came back to the city, um, into like the summertime, like the spring, May, June, my job got a lot busier. And I remember I couldn't keep up with like the basic stuff of life. Like I was trying to do, it's called grief for yoga. And I was trying to go to yoga classes to kind of like grieve my mom and, you know, going to these yoga classes and trying to keep up with work. I 
was not in my best capacity. Like I was broke. I was broken Mm -hmm. because of what happened to my mom and my place was a mess. Like my dog, you know, I'd only, I'd only take her for two walks a day, like minimum. Like I was just trying to like hold my head above water. And I remember that entire year, like, um, I just remember feeling like I was like drowning in like all the responsibilities I had and I couldn't keep up. And by July, he, he came to my house and he said, I need to have a talk with you. Like, I, I don't know if we can stay together because I think we're super incompatible. I noticed that like things about your apartment aren't as clean as I'd like them to be. So if we ever were to live together in the future, like I, I just don't know if I can live with someone that's this messy. And and he's like, I also don't know if you can take care of me. Like, it feels like you're not taking care of me right now. And I remember thinking, like, I'm trying to just survive. And, and when I look back, he didn't take care of me at all. Like, it was all about, you know, his, okay, his, his idea of, you know, taking care of me over my mom's death was just, like, us going on date nights and us hanging out, us doing things between him and I. But he would never ask me how I'm doing. And I think because I'm such a, like, quote-unquote strong woman, I never talked about it. I would always intern- like I would always just take care of myself. But I never, I never asked him for help. I never said, like, oh, can I talk to you about my feelings or can I talk to you about this? I never did that. But he also, like, didn't really, like, show that he cared. Like, he didn't really ask me how I was doing ever. And so by July, when he had this conversation with me, he sat me down and he's like, I've noticed all week, like, you haven't been paying attention to me. You haven't been returning my texts. I noticed your apartment's really messy. Um, I don't think you can take care of me. And I remember feeling gutted. Like I felt alone and I felt like I'm trying to sur- like literally survive. Like there's nothing that like we go through a lot of things in life, but I feel like that's one of the more most difficult things I'll ever go through is trying to like grieve my mom while like trying to keep a steady job. And, um, and then I just, I felt really like small. I felt really like tired and exhausted and he left my apartment and I thought we were done. I thought we were broken up and I was kind of relieved because I felt, okay, good. That's one less thing I have to do. Or it's like one less thing that I have to take care of. You know, I don't want to have to take care of him. And he hasn't been honestly like, cause we kind of fell apart. I'll admit after my mom died, like we just stopped communicating and like, it just, there's kind of bits on my part as well, but I just definitely, I definitely saw that he had like almost zero compassion for like what I was going through. And so in, in a way, during that time, um, technically, you know, not I, technically is a bad word. So, you're, I mean, mm-hmm. you're going through, um, you know, your mom passing away, not just passing away in a regular manner, but by suicide, you're, you're grieving that you're trying yeah. probably to understand or come to terms with maybe a lot of things that happened maybe in your childhood. Um, and then on top of that, which is already difficult to deal with, you know, just maintaining eating, sleeping, going to work is difficult. You're in a depressed state, a confused state, and you know, it's a normal thing to hit a rough patch in your relationship, obviously during this time. And you at this time, you're able to see, are you saying to yourself, this person has been acting and like the person right now is the real person who really is not showing interest in 
you know, instead of saying my place is messy, maybe maybe there's a reason my place is messy. Maybe I'm having yeah. a difficult being um, a human uh, right now and like taking care of myself with you know doing basic needs. At that point, can are you saying like because you're, you're about to take a little break? from him um, that this person isn't what I signed up for or is not the person everyone thinks he is? So I, no, no, I had, I, at the time I had zero compassion for myself. Okay. Like at the time I was, I, I had zero compassion for myself and I didn't, I didn't see, okay. Like I, I when I was in it, I didn't see that I was grieving. If that makes sense. Like okay. I didn't, I, I kind of did see I was grieving, but I also didn't give myself any allowances. I was like, no, you still got to do this. You still got to like show up. You still got to be a good girlfriend. Like to me, it, his criticism made sense in my head because I was like, yeah, you're right. Like I'm dropping the ball. Like go ahead and leave. Like it, it was like me being defeated. Like you're still trying to prove, like, you're still trying to prove yourself during this time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. even extra tiring than what you how you even presented it before. You're you're trying to prove yourself on top of everything still. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And that, you know what? Looking back, that made it so much more exhausting. Yeah. To it's, try it's, to it's, that's like, that's that's yeah. exhausting. You were already exhausted, and now you've taken yeah. on this extra duty. Mm-hmm. Okay. I get of, it. Of being like a, an attentive, yeah, of, of being an, an attentive girlfriend to him. Like that's, I felt like I was failing him. So I felt like I was failing him in terms of like, I'm not showing up for him. And of course, like I'd caused a few, you know, like we had a few fights that summer, like a few arguments, <clears throat> like one time we were leaving for a trip and we were in the grocery store and I couldn't find ice. And I just had a meltdown. Like, like, what are we going to do if we don't find ice? And like, I just like was like yelling and like I was angry and I had to leave the store and I just left the store. It came out and he's like, why are you so dramatic? And he like, he would never understand my anxiety. He would never understand. Like he, he didn't connect the dots between my mom's death and like me having meltdowns or melt or just like an emotional outburst or something. You know how every couple fights, like every couple fights, but whether it's ice or directions or forgetting a map or like it's just stupid things. And I just never felt like I was, allowed to have a meltdown or allowed to have sad feelings about my mom um because that would be a flaw right that would be like something that's not like except like because when I would show him that part of it he would tell me oh but you're so amazing and like don't worry like life is incredible like life's going to be great our life is going to be great don't worry like he would never acknowledge my actual pain he would just kind of skirt around it and say but but you're amazing don't worry like that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and I didn't feel amazing. So I just, I think that's why when he broke up or he, his first attempt to break up with me in July, I was super relieved because I'm like, I don't know why, but I couldn't break up with him on my own. I just like, I felt like our relationship was slowly going down the tubes, but I also still idolized. I idolized him. Like I still thought he was amazing and perfect. And I felt like I was the one that was like fucking up. Like I was the fuck up. And the person who was like, slacking in the relationship so part of me was just relieved because i'm like good he just finally gave up or finally saw that i'm like not like like i'm not holding it together and i and it gave me really low self like that whole summer i had low self-esteem because i just felt like i couldn't function but i didn't have the compassion for myself at that period like that came later like so i did start to get compassion for myself later so that first year i was still trying to be perfect still trying to keep up 
you know, appearances with everyone. And so he breaks up with me. He leaves. I'm relieved. I spend the night in bed and I'm like, good. I get a good night's sleep. Like, I'm just like, kind of, like I said, I'm in survival mode. I'm just like anything that's like, feels good. I'm t- I'm going to sleep. I'm going to eat whatever foods I'm going to like, just keep going. And then he like comes in <clears throat> in, in the morning and he slides in bed next to me and he's like, Oh, I'm, I'm sorry for doing that. I didn't mean it. Like, let's just continue. <laughs> And, and I remember I just, like, I accepted it. I accepted his return, like, just coming back to it and feeling, like, relieved because, like, oh, okay, maybe he does love me. Maybe he does, like, you know, see me and all this stuff. And, um, yeah, so that was in July. And then we had been planning a trip to Nashville. So him and I, after all the things that we'd been through, we had been talking about going to Nashville for a while because both of us are really into music and um, that was one thing we, a bond we did have is music. And um, so we were planning this trip to Nashville for October. And so leading up to October, um, I was doing a lot of like soul searching too. Like I went on a wilderness retreat. Like I mentioned, I love camping. Like I'm a forestry, I have a forestry background. So I'm like, I'm a forester by trade and I love nature and stuff like that. And that's where I said before, like it doesn't really meld that well with him being in the military, but it just worked. Um, so I went on all these like wilderness retreats in October and I was trying to like find myself, if that makes sense. Like I was just, like really soul searching after my mom died and trying to better myself, but it sounds really messed up, but I was trying to better myself for him mm-hmm. and to, to be able to like step up to the plate so that I can be a good girlfriend to him again. Um, I was like, I was trying to like sh- shortcut my grief, right? Like I was trying to just plow through it so that I can just be like normal again and be over it. And, you know, show up for him and be a perfect girlfriend for him again. So I went on these, like, wilderness retreats in late September of that year. Um, And I came back and I had, like, you know, I'd lost a little bit of weight. And I was, like, had a glow in my face because it was, like, a week-long thing that, like, people, I did, like, a fast. And I did, uh, it's, like, this thing where you you don't leave a circle in the woods for um, four days and you fast. And you just journal and it's kind of like a meditation thing. And he's like, oh, you look so good. Like you, I don't remember you looking this good since like I met you. And the way he said it was kind of like, like, I I don't remember exactly how he said it, but it definitely had a connotation. Like you haven't looked good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, and right now, oh, right now you look so good. Like what you did was good. Like what your retreat went really well. Cause I can see that like your appearance, you look young, you look fresh, all this stuff. And I felt really confident. I felt really good. Um, Cause I'd felt so like gross and like, I don't know. I just like kind of let myself go like the past few months. And so I had a high confidence. I felt so good. Like I remember feeling a lot, like I just felt like, you know, like um, I was in touch with myself. I felt very connected to myself. I didn't yet think like, I didn't yet see him for who he was, but I also knew that I didn't really like to be around him. Like I knew at this point I didn't enjoy being around him, but I felt that I needed to be with him, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of me like knew that I was meant to like, like still continue this path of like trying to get to know myself and stuff. So I contacted, or sorry, my friend contacted me. She said, "Oh, I heard you guys are going to Nashville. I'm heading there myself. Like I'm driving from Ontario down in my van, and I'm already going there. Do you want to like meet up?" you like, cause I saw that you're going there and I said, yeah, I do. Like, this is like an old childhood friend of mine that like, I hadn't really hung out with since, you know, Christmas or something. And she was from my childhood. Like she, I knew her when we were like 12. And so this person, like, I just felt really, I felt really drawn to like do the trip just with her. 
And now that I look back, I know that was a dick move. I know that was like me, like basically it was supposed to be me and my narc's trip, but I did choose to, I said to him, I said, I really want to do this trip just with her. Like it's, she's my childhood friend. Like my mom knew her really well. She knew my mom really well. I just feel like I really need that kind of like girl bonding, like that girlfriend. Like I just want to feel that like, like that bond between like her and I, I feel like we'll do really well for me. Like, I feel like it will do wonders for like my mental health. And like, I need this. And I said it to him in a way that like, I was trying to be really careful with his feelings. I was trying to be like, like apologetic for us having planned this trip. But I said, I just really, really, really need this. And then you and I can plan a trip separately, like in the future. And at first he was just like, well, I booked off time for this. And like, I guess like he, he did the whole, like, I guess thing. Like, yeah, I go for it. Like is what he said. And so I did. And, you know, looking back, I was kind of selfish that year, honestly. Like, I was just, I was in survival mode. I just was doing anything that, like, made me feel, like, any sense of who I am because of, of what happened with my mom. So I just felt like a childhood friend, like, what's more perfect than that? So that was only a week that we went to Nashville. And I came back, and things were just, like, he really took it to heart that I left and that I didn't go with him. Um, and I understand that, like, I think any normal person would feel that way and feel disappointed and left out. And so I did everything. Like I said, like, we'll plan a new trip together. Like, you and I will go to Hawaii or anything like that. And it just like, it was like, it was like, I broke his heart. Like, it was like, I don't know, like I felt really guilty for a really long time and I knew why I did it. Like I knew why I went with her, but I just like, at the, and then at this point too, I was trying to, I was also starting to snap out of it. I was starting to like see that I was misbehaving or see that I was trying to like act out and I was pulling back. So I was giving him the full reins, if that makes sense. Like I was giving him, he won every argument after that. Like it was <clears throat> like, I was giving him full reign over our relationship, like to completely like call the shots basically. And I kind of settled into it. And then, so you so by the next- you were you were given that much guilt about the trip that yeah at that point you wanted to be uh, you didn't want to hear arguments anymore you didn't want to hear this that or the other coming from the other side of how you were being treated or how you were made to feel because you went and now yeah. instead of fighting you're just saying yes and being submissive to all of the needs of your ex basically okay yeah so he like the level of guilt that he made me feel was like you know like i felt like i abandoned him um and i felt like i had to make it up to him so it was like this constant like like I said, I would make it up to him with like a Hawaii trip and all that stuff, but that wasn't enough. Like it, it never felt like that was, I just felt like he was very slighted. He was very <clears throat> like, he didn't like to be chosen over some, he didn't want me to choose anyone else over him. Um, and his mom, his mom called me and, you know, I'll get into his mom stuff in a bit, but like his mom called me and she said, you know, like what's like, she was really sympathetic and she's like, I know like woman to woman, like sometimes we have to get away and sometimes we have to do this, but like my son is very fragile and my son is this and my son is that. She was just very like, why aren't you on our team? (laughs) And like, um, and I felt like I had, I owed it to her as well. Like there was a little bit of like, I owed it to his family to like keep, to make it up to him and to make it up to the whole family. But because, because I'd been like a quote unquote, like, 
bitch to him all summer. You know what I mean? Like just acting up because of my mom's death and stuff. And she even told, he told me, and this is weird. Like he told me when I was grieving my mom, he's like, my mom said that you're probably going to be a bitch this summer. And, and like, I just thought that's a weird thing to say. Like, to your son, like you should probably say, like, oh, your your girlfriend's gonna have a hard time this summer. <laughs> That's like what you should say. But no, like you're, yes, your girlfriend's gonna, gonna have a hard time, like, and she's gonna yeah. need support. Not yeah, not the polar opposite. Yeah, like she her focus. Okay, her focus was always on her son and like how he was being treated and how he was what was going on with him. Which I totally and looking back, even that's totally normal to like for a mom to be like. Um, but what wasn't normal is the amount that she would go out of the boundaries with us. Like he would, I know that he would tell her things about me that I never gave permission for. Like he would tell her things, um, like there's a few nights that like we would drink and stuff like that. And he said, Oh, I'm pretty sure that he would say like, Oh, had a few too many or like had this and had that. And so she would bring it up sometimes. Like she would try to insinuate that I had a drinking problem. Um, and I didn't, like, I wasn't, like, I would go out with my friends, like, twice a month, and when we did, of course, we'd have, like, you know, we'd go out, and, like, I would qualify as binge drinking, but it wouldn't be, like, I'm drinking every night kind of thing, and I will say that he was an alcoholic, too. So he's sowing the seeds of, um, uh, I guess, of a a mini smear campaign of how uh, Mm -hmm. you act uh, to his family that's... Uh, yeah, an un, an untrue, maybe a kernel of truth that you went out drinking, but not you know he's he's sowing untruths. Yeah. yeah, yeah, basically, and I mean, yeah, he would and he would relay things to me all the time from her. So he would he would say, "Oh, my mom says this, my mom says that about me." Like, so he would say, "My mom's like my mom was like, um, she's really stubborn, isn't she?" Like in terms of me, like being stubborn and I don't like it's about really silly things, like not being stubborn, but just me trying to like hold boundaries. So to her, my boundaries were being stubborn. <laughs> so basically like that would come up a lot. And, um, and I noticed that during the night, his phone would go off like at midnight or at 11 and it would be paragraphs of text between the two of them. And, you know, things about like, like her emotional state and her, um, like what she was going through and stuff like that. And it was very like, um, he's like, Oh, I have to go call my mom right now. She's like in a crisis. And he'd talk to her for an hour and then come back to bed. And I often felt like there was just like a weird dynamic dynamic between the two of them. And he's, um, so he was raised by her being a single mom because his dad left when he was like seven and he left in a very horrific way. So I know that my narc was abused as a child. And I think that his mom was kind of like using them as like surrogate, using him the him as like a surrogate husband in a way, like he would run her errands. He would, they would text all day long, like all day long about everything that she needs, everything that she wants and stuff like that. And I'd go over to their house sometimes. And I remember a year, about a year after I went to Nashville and all that stuff happened, I was still in the doghouse, by the way. Like, I was still, like, not fully back in his, like, l- like nook. Um, you still, I would go you over still, to their house. You and, still were not part of the family. Yeah, like, yeah. it felt it felt like nothing I did was good enough because I went to Nashville on a trip with a friend. Like, okay. nothing I did. Nothing, like, it was really, it felt like it was taken 
to an extreme. Like it wasn't, it's like something that, something that usually happens in a relationship that usually stays between the two people. It like, it, it just was throughout the entire family and everyone knew that I like, I don't know, like it just, it felt really like I was never able to like meet their like expectations. And he stayed with his mom when he broke his foot. And I remember he said, do you mind going to get me some sandals? Just, I want to be able to hop around without having to slip on a shoe, like and tie my laces up and stuff. And I said, yeah, I can do that. Um, and I felt like I felt good because I felt like, okay, like, I feel like maybe this is the thing that makes me part of the family again. This is the thing. Um, or like, you know, like just ongoing care of him is the thing that will make them like accept me again. And so I went to like, I think I just went to like a sporting retail store. Like it wasn't an expensive store. It wasn't like, you know, a fashion store or anything. Like I just went to get basic sandals and I brought them to her apartment. Um, and I will say that she's like very fashion minded, like has Gucci bags, has like expensive, like perfume. Like she's a hairdresser. She like her hairstylist, I should say, and like makeup to the nines. Like she's just very done up all the time. And so I bring these shoes to the place, to her, to her apartment. And the first thing she says when I open the wrapping, she's like, oh, like she starts laughing. And she's like, oh, you thought these would be good enough? Like, like, no, he can't wear these. Look at it. They're so ugly. Like, and I just couldn't believe it because I had such a hard, I had like a really long week already. And I just felt like I, everything was bubbling to the surface. Like I felt like I was working really hard at my job and working really hard at the relationship and her laughing at literally like at the shoes that I just went out of my way to buy. Um, it just felt like gutting. It felt like, like, this is like, you've never liked me. Like, this is like the thing that I'm doing to like, try to help your son and try to like take care of him because he's staying with her. Like it already, it already felt like I wasn't able to take care of him because he wasn't we were living together, but he's like staying with his mom. Mm-hmm. And, and it just, it, like I started, I started crying because I just felt very overwhelmed. And I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I like, what did you want me to buy? Like, what kind of sandals did you want me to buy? And it just, it's, I, I felt very on the spot and like, he's in the room and he's sitting on the couch and he's just like emotionless, like staring blankly ahead. And like, I had many moments like this with him where I would show emotion. Like I'd be crying or some like something's happening with me where I'm like actually feeling an emotion and he would just be like a stone, like just nothing, no expression on his face. And she looked at him and she's like, console your girlfriend. Like what's going on? Like put like, I don't know, like what's happening right now, but I was crying from what she said. So then I left, like, I basically like had it. Like it was like that feeling of like, I'm not good enough and I haven't been good enough for this family forever. So I left so, and I just was so, so awkward. So you know, did you feel here that maybe, I mean, you were, you had a, the an issue with your family when you were younger, and now here you're being, in a sense, rejected, not just by him, yeah. but by the family as a whole, and did that add to what was going on at the same time, that it, now it wasn't just um, one person you were trying to prove yourself to this family and again mm-hmm. and again the like this family is um not playing with a, a full deck when it, it comes to you yeah i yeah it, it's because it, like it came out of left field because i thought most people would be, would be polite like oh thanks so much 
like they might not like the sandals, but they might be like in the back of their head, they think, oh, we're not going to use these sandals, but thank you. Like they, yes. that's how I thought nor- a normal human would react. But the fact that she d- had no, like, had no problem like laughing, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, or like no problem just saying like, these are really ugly or like, I just, I felt humil I felt humiliated basically. Mm-hmm. And I felt, and I felt like already like humiliated by his family to begin with because I just I felt like like the problem I felt like I was the one that's like not treating her son well and like I knew I was I knew like I was taking care of him every chance I could but I was also like studying for my exams and stuff but anyway so I I I I kissed him and I said I'm gonna see you later like I just I want to go home and sleep like I'm exhausted and I tried not to make a big deal of it but I was still like actively crying (laughs) and like she went in the other room she went to the bathroom because she felt awkward um, and then I went home and I texted him and I apologized. And this, I look back and I, this is the kind of stuff I get embarrassed about. Cause I, I texted him and I said, I'm so sorry for like being emotional. I'm so sorry for crying. I'm so sorry for like making a scene. And he said to me, you made my mom cry. And, and I was like, how, like in my head, I was like, how did I make her cry? And he, I'm like, Oh, was she crying after I left? And he's like, yeah, because you made her feel awkward. And, and you made you like you leaving made her feel weird. So she, like, like he basically was saying you, owe my, you owe my mom an apology. And I, at the time I didn't know what to make of that. <laughs> um, I just like, I put it to the side, but I know now that like, that was pretty messed up. Like it was just, I don't know. And maybe it's me being sensitive. Like I, at the time, especially I thought I was just being oversensitive, but I just felt like uncomfortable and like, and I also don't know how I made her cry. And so I just, I sensed that there was like a weird victim hero relationship that they had, like her being a victim, him being the hero. Mm -hmm. And because maybe their childhood, he would play like hero to her because her, you know, like his dad left and she never, she never, she never remarried or had a boyfriend after that, like after he was seven years old. So this guy's like 20, he's 28 now, like a full adult. And he's like, I don't know. There's so many more examples of that, but Mm -hmm. it just, it felt like a very, it felt very, very codependent between them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and I knew then on, I knew that he would always choose, like, I hate to say it, but like he would choose her over me if it came down to it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's like fine. And a lot of people love their, like, obviously everyone loves their mom and loves, loves their family. But I just felt if it came down to it, he would always like cater to her emotions over mine. Mm-hmm. Even, even if, even if she was a complete asshole to me, which came up later, like she was continuously an asshole to me. And like, he would permit, he would just like not even see it. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so I felt like um, after that year, it felt like we were kind of like the dust was settled. Like he kind of got over Nashville. Like he, you know, like he, he got over what basically like that whole year of me trying to like rediscover myself and like a bit, not abandon him, but like me basically I was just doing my own thing because I was just trying to get over my mom's death. So year three, um, but it was just constantly like, I'm not in the nook yet. I'm not in the place where I was in the beginning. And it just, it gave me such low self-esteem. Like, how I was before I met him, I was great. I was like nine out of 10 for like my confidence and my self-esteem. But then after I'd been through all this with him, like it was like slowly dwindling because he stopped giving me affection. He was like how I wouldn't say his abuse was like, um, what's the word? Like it wasn't outward. It wasn't obvious. Like his, his abuse was more like 
um, like stone stonewalling and like ignoring and like going days without messaging me and holding things like a promise, like a carrot in front of my face. Like I might marry you. Like I might have kids with you. <laughs> and, and him moving in with me was kind of like the next step. Like it felt like it felt like that was a big commitment from him. So we were living together. Um, and yeah, and like there was just like constant, like a continuous devaluation of just, you know, you're not the same girl I met. Um, I had gained weight by that, that by that time weight that I've lost by the way. Cause like, I felt like I gained weight because I was so stressed. And, um, so finally, like we, we moved into another house. Basically we moved around a lot in the city and he said, so I'm being deployed. And so he told me that he was going on deployment. And then right before he was about to leave, he was like, spouting all these things to me like I want to marry you I want to have kids with you like you're my person and I didn't believe them right away because I was like you haven't said this stuff in years like I don't believe you um but then he continued to do it like he went he ended up going to Iraq and then when he was in Iraq we would video chat and he he said you know I've been thinking about a lot like especially being here what we went through like we've gone through a lot like with your mom and like everything that you know like it feels like we've invested so much into it already like why would we like, why give it up? Like, and so he said, why don't you come to Bali with me? And I said, yeah, like I could do that. Like, it's, um, he said, it's my leave. Like he gets like a leave after four months. So he invited me, he invited me to Bali. And I thought that that was like, I honestly thought that that trip would be like kind of a reinvigoration of our relationship. Cause when he was away, I really missed him and I could tell that he missed me or I thought that he missed me. Um, and so we were talking the entire time he was away. I booked a plane ticket to Bali and leading up to it. Okay. So the biggest thing about Bali is leading up to it. I like did so much self care self, you know what I mean? Like self-improvement. Like I went into my teeth. I did tanning. I like worked out. I worked out for a whole month and I lost like, I think at least 10 pounds over a month. And it was just like, I felt good. I felt like, okay, we're on a good track. And so I get on the plane um, and I'm going to Bali and, you know, in Vancouver, there's a big flight delay. And so I had to stay in a hotel in Vancouver and ended up being like 42 hours to get there. Ugh. And it was like really long and like the longest flight I've ever done. And um, when I got to, when I, when I was about to leave for my morning flight in Vancouver, I texted him over WhatsApp because WhatsApp at the time was all he could use. And I could tell that he was active because it said active at 3 a.m. And um, I could see that he was active and I just said, hey, I'm about to leave on my flight. Um, just let me know, like, you know, like kind of like saying goodbye. And like, I was kind of expecting him to text back. And I saw that he was active, but he wasn't texting back. And then, so we got in the flight or I got in the flight and it's 13 hours to get to China. And I was in Guangzhou, China. And I got off the flight and he still hadn't texted me. And I got off the flight and I said, Hey, what's up? Like I, I messaged you yesterday and just wanting to like check in with you to make sure the time's okay that I arrived. And he's like, yeah, it's okay. Like he was just acting really like, like, um, lackluster, like really like, and I'm exhausted. And I, I felt this pit in my stomach, like, oh my God, like is coming here a mistake. Like he's going to be like distant, like he was before. Like he's going to be this and that and the other thing. And like, I just was worried about what it would be like between us. And then I got to the hotel in China. Like I was staying in, in another hotel before I got to Bali. And I messaged him. I said, can we have a quick phone call before I come? And he's like, yeah. And then I called him and he said, 
he's like, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. And I'm like, what is the elephant in the room? And he's like, that, like, things aren't working with us. Like, he was just like, we can do this trip together, but I don't know what this is anymore. And it just came out of nowhere. Like, it came out of nowhere, and I was like, the entire summer we were building up to something, it felt like. Um, and I felt really gross. Like, I just felt, like, disappointed. And I went to bed. I went to sleep in this hotel, and I woke up, and then I flew to Bali. And I was way less excited at this point. Like, you know, just having gone through, like, all this stuff, like, that entire month to prep for the trip. And, like, feeling like, I was feeling like it would be, like, a romantic trip. And I showed up, and I said, you don't have to meet me, meet me at the airport. I was just trying to be, like, easygoing. And he was at the Airbnb that we that I had booked for us. And I'll mention too, too that he brought a friend with him. So he brought like uh, another guy who was in Iraq, like doing his tour. Mm-hmm. It was the two of that. It was the two of them and me together on the trip. Which, like, looking back, I probably shouldn't have agreed to that because it was supposed to be just like me and him. Um, but this other guy was with us on the trip, so they're already at the Airbnb. I texted him when I arrived, and he didn't text back. <laughs> like it was, I knew I knew the address because I knew where they were staying. So like I was like, fine, I'll get a nice taxi and go. And I was expecting him to be there to, like, help me with my luggage or some, something, like, just be greeting me, like, after four months. And I get to the villa, and I open the fence, and, like, I walk in, and it's just, it's like a feeling of, like, am I even at the right place? Like, it, it was, like, empty, like, no one was there. Um, and I walk upstairs, and, like, he's, I can hear the shower running. And so I go up, and, and I shout to him, like, hey, I'm here. And he's like, oh, okay, I'll be right down, like. And then I go out to the sun, like the sun porch thing. Like it's a beautiful villa too. Like this is like one of those places that you book in Bali and it's like $200 a night, but it's like a four bedroom with a pool and a jacuzzi. Like it was like, it was so beautiful. But I'm, all I could think of was like, I, it just feels like our relationship is about to end and I'm here. Like, why am I here? And he walked down the stairs and he said, Oh, like, what's up? Like, he was just like treating me like a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looked at like, there was like a, I got poison Ivy a couple weeks before and it kind of scarred on my leg. And he's like, Oh, what's that? <laughs> like, instead of hugging me, he's just like, Oh, what's that? Like, that's weird. And then so I'm like showing him like my like little scab on the side of my leg. And I just felt like nothing, but like gross. Like I just felt disgusting to him. And like, I felt like he was repulsed by me. Like that's how low my self esteem felt. Um, it's just like, it's weird talking about, but like, I expected it to be back to normal because we'd been talking like that all summer Mm -hmm. and it just felt like nothing went through his mind to ever consider my feelings. Like the fact that I just flew 42 hours, the fact that like, I might be tired or I might miss it. Like I missed him and I went to give him a big hug and he's just like already like on me about my like leg rash or something. Like I'm like so imperfect to him that he has to point it out. And it made me feel so like small. And I was like, why are you focused on my legs, like my poison ivy, when like I haven't seen you in four months? And I just, that was the first moment on that trip that I realized like this, like it's just heartbreaking, like to feel him just not, not give a, like a crap at all that I was even there. And to travel 42 hours to get there. Yeah. Then when you're almost there, to be told that you know y- you your relationship is basically over in his mind why do it at that point 
you know, while you're already all like where you're almost there, where you're ha- more than halfway mm-hmm. on your on your trip. Um, yeah. I mean, let you. I mean, do it while I, you're still in Alberta. I mean, then you can just travel in three hours to Ontario. <laughs> I know. I know. I've okay. I've gone through this so many times, and there's more to this trip. Like, I feel like I could have used this time just for this trip because it was so unbelievably like awful. So. This trip was 10 days, and I think every single day of it had different things that he did that were like, and I look back at this, and I'm like, how was I still there? How did I still go to the villa? Like, I don't know, and that's why I know that I was sucked into him so much. Like, everything that he, like, told me about myself, I thought was true. So, like, him telling me that, like, and, like he, before he left, he told me, like, I was a cookie that's done baking and that I'll never change because I was, I was 30, 33 at the time. He's like, you're a cookie. You're like one of those cookies that's done baking. Like, you can't go back and unbake the cookie. Like, he was kind of telling me, like, I'm flawed. And that I'm like, I don't know. It just, I always felt like I was flawed in his eyes. And so him building me up all summer again, him, like, saying, actually, I want to marry you. Actually, like, you're my soulmate. And he really put the, like, put the, like laid the sauce thick the entire summer before I came to Bali and enough that like I was fully like back in, like I was committed. So for me to show up and then he's back to his old ways, even worse, like even not only back to his old ways, but like just like giving as little of a shit as you can imagine that like his girlfriend's there to see him. Do you know what I mean? And he brought, um, and he brought a friend to, to watch. And he brought, <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. So and so I'll go into what happened on the trip. So we we go on this like island tour, like we immediately I get to I could probably name the cities, it's fun. So I get to Semenyuk and then we go to the Gili Islands and the Gili Islands are really fun because it's an island with no roads and it's just super cool. Like I was so and this is the thing, I was so excited for the trip that I didn't want to like ruffle any feathers because I was like, I'm super excited to be there and I just wanna have fun. Like I'm that kind of person that just whatever I'll take a positive from anything right like I'm like I'll do this trip with my ex like even if it sounds weird we're gonna do it so at this point I kind of knew that like we were gonna be exes by the end of it but I felt like I was still in love with him and I still wanted to like have him in my life even though we were done like it's a weird we had a weird dynamic so we went to this island called the Gilly Islands and it's super cool and we go on this boat and we get there and it's just like cool like place to be you ride around on bikes and um there's like little like horse like horse and buggy situations where you just like load up your um suitcases and stuff and they take you on a horse and buggy to like your villa and stuff and i was just having the time like i would, I would have moments on the trip where i was like having the time of my life but then i would like look back and think oh but we're broken up and like i'm devastated it is a weird duality between like like me trying to forget it and trying to like keep up with like showing I'm still trying to show him I'm worthy of him if that if that makes sense like I'm still trying to like be the cool fun girl that's like it's cool that we just broke up um it was really weird so second day third day we're still together there's still this like third guy on the trip with us um and the third day we um yeah, so we all have a few drinks. We're all, like, kind of loose, like, kind of, like, swimming around the... We were swimming in the pool and stuff. Um, his friend goes to bed, and then it's just uh, my narc and I in the pool alone. And he's like, just so you know, like, um, you know, like, six days ago, I did hook up with someone. 
in ba- in Bali before you got here. Oh. And I said, okay, like why? Uh, and okay, I'll mention too that like him and I had talked about doing a threesome and we had like nonchalantly talked about like, yeah, like not being poly necessarily, but just being with other people. And I think looking back, that was a way for me to just like open something up that we would be like more connected to each other. What like through something. Um, so he dropped this bomb on me and I'm like three drinks deep. And I felt I, I was so committed to still having fun on this trip. And this sounds so shameful and I'm embarrassed to say it, but I was like, okay, I'm pissed that you didn't tell me like, I'm pissed that like, you know, like you and I have been sleeping together since I got here and I didn't know. And I'm pissed. Like, yeah, just everything about it was like, I'm just pissed. Like you and I had talked about having like a threesome or like having a third, you know, a third person in the relationship just for fun. And this was when we were, this was when we were like in a good spot, like that previous year or whatever. And I said, but we never really solidified that. And like, I don't, I never gave you permission to like, go off and like I don't know like it felt somehow in my head I didn't think it was cheating if that makes sense like I had it's so embarrassing because you felt that you were guys gonna you guys were gonna have a threesome that gave him permission or at least a pass in your mind to cheat and to have zero repercussions like in a way I felt like maybe he thought that that was me giving him a hall pass, a hall pass. Like, cause you know, like people that go on deployment, they get, sometimes girlfriends will give their boyfriends a hall pass. It's just, I know that that's a thing. And the way he was telling it to me in the pool, it like, it didn't sound okay. Like sounds fucked up, but like, it didn't sound serious. It was like, Oh, and just by the way, I hooked up with someone six days ago. I'm, I'm like, so sorry. I didn't tell you. I knew that we were talking about three, like he kind of looped it into that conversation about having a threesome. And it just, like, in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to admit that he just cheated on me. Like, I can't handle that. Like, it's almost like I decided for myself, like, I can't handle that because I'm in a foreign country. And because if I I admit to myself that that's what just happened, I'll have to, like, leave him, go do my own thing in, like, Southeast Asia by myself. And I felt, I felt, like, just scared. Like, I felt, like, really alone and... Oh man, it was like it's so traumatizing. When I put myself in that pool again, I feel like actual PTSD symptoms because it's like I should have reacted a certain way and I didn't. And I think that's where sometimes I do feel like like symptoms of trauma because I wasn't fully processing what was happening then. If that makes sense, because mm-hmm. um, I was there in the moment and I wanted, I was like so committed in like to having fun and to like maybe winning him like sounds so bizarre but like winning him back or like trying to like keep him in my life that I was just being trying to be like cool with it and so at the time I said yeah I'm really pissed off that you didn't tell me but like it's it's whatever I like I know sometimes people have you know they hook up and it's just physical I know like whatever like I'm just gonna let go like that's kind of what I said to him um we're like you know we've already broken up like Let's just enjoy our trip, basically. Um, and so we kind of did it, but he was acting really weird after he told me that. And he was acting like, like really nice to me, but like 
Like he was, you know, like groveling, not groveling, but like he felt guilty. I could tell that he felt a little bit guilty. Um, but the only reason now I look back that he felt guilty of is because there's more <laughs> to the story. So oh. the fourth day and the fifth day that we were t- after he told me, um, he would go out every, he, like we would be in bed together and I would have a shower and I'd be exhausted because we were like in Bali doing stuff all day long. So I'd be like exhausted. So I, I fell asleep at like 10 p.m. He would go out every night outside of the villa, outside of my bedroom, and, like, he would say, like, I'm going to listen to music, like, I'll be right back, like, I'll, like, you know, like, I'm only going to be, like, half an hour. Um, So he'd go outside of the villa, and he, like, yeah, like, I know now that he was texting this person, like, he was text, he was calling this girl, this other person that he'd met there, um, the entire time that I was on the trip with him. So I'd be in bed, and he'd go out to the porch or whatever and, like, call her and text her and at the time I like was no I was I had no clue but it was only after and I'll admit to like checking his phone near the end of the trip like I could tell that like that was what was happening and there are points in the trip where I just felt so like effed off like we I thought that we were we were doing the trip as like friends in a way like we climbed a mountain together and halfway up the mountain he like just left me like I was with this guide and I said oh like I just need to go tie my shoe I need to I need to have some water and he like never looked back and like to see where I was he kept climbing up this like stupid mountain and I'm like back and I'm like just with this guy and I'm like oh can you shout to him to like stop and wait for me and and my narc just kept walking and I know he could hear us and like it was just it felt like he was just saying like I'm done with this one like I'm I'm just done with this one and I felt so like objectified and like like what am I even doing here like I just kept thinking like what am I doing on this trip and this is only like day five um and the next day we went to the market um and it's like in Ubud so Ubud has like all the temples and the cool markets and stuff and like it was so cool like when I look back I do appreciate that like we were there and like I was there and I went through these markets and like really cool stuff and we had plans to separate for the day and meet up again for dinner, for sushi. So him and I, like, were split up for the day. And we split up for the day, and we were making plans for dinner. And it was, like, 4 p.m. I'm like, hey, what time do you want to meet for dinner? And he's like, oh, I already ate. And I said, oh, like, okay, so what, I, I should just go grab dinner by myself? Like, what's happening? And he's like, I need to talk to you. And I was like, okay. And I meet up with him, and he's like, So I've been having symptoms of like an STD from this girl that I met. And I said, okay, like that's kind of messed up, but whatever. And he's like, so I had to go get an STD check at this like clinic in Bali. (laughs) Like this whole story is so messed up. Like he went to get this STD check at the clinic and then he went to go eat by himself. Like we had these dinner plans and he just like went to go eat by himself and and so by this point, this day, this is the exact time where I was like, I'm done. Like, you, I don't know what, what this is. I don't know who I'm on vacation with. Like, this is completely done. And I'm doing my own, like, thing. So I rented, like, a my own villa, like, down by the the south end. It's like a, I forget what the village is called, but, like, it's, like, South Beach. Like, one of the south sides of Bali. Mm-hmm. I went there by myself for three days. And I just stayed there by myself. I just decompressed from what just happened. Um, I kind of just like, didn't know. I, okay. Like at this point, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know if we were actually broken up because we, him and I had broken up so many times and 
he had just cheated on me, but I didn't think it was, I like justified it as not cheating. And it felt very, he was like texting me the entire time I was gone, by the way. Like he was just, my phone was like being lit. Like, just like I had to, I had to like block him eventually by the end of the trip. And then at the last, at the last night I turned my phone back on, like I, I turned it off block. And then, you know, I called him and I said, okay, like, can we talk? Like, I don't know. So I guess I wasn't done. So him and I met at the villa I was at. So he came to meet me and we did have like a last night together. Like it was kind of romantic. It was kind of like whatever. Like we had like a jacuzzi there and everything. And it was super, it was the most romantic. It was what I wanted, if that makes sense. Out of the entire trip, like what I pictured happening was like us in like the pool together in the hot tub and like on the beach together, like doing romantic stuff. And he gave me that the last night. And and I'm ashamed to even, like, admit that I would, like, take him back after all this. But, like, that last night, like, it felt like a good way to just close it off. Like, we, and we both knew we were kind of done, kind of done with, with the relationship. <sighs> and then I flew back to Canada. So I flew back to Canada, and I just felt, like, traumatized. Like, I felt very, like, I didn't know what just happened. Like, um, and so when I got back to Canada, I just felt really, really depressed and really, really confused. And like everything that we'd gone through, I just felt like he wasn't, I felt like he wasn't telling me the full story too. Um, and about three weeks later, he said to me, you know, I, I, I am planning to go to Australia. Like I want to do like, that's kind of what I'm going to do next as like a single person. And I said, well, like what, what's in Australia? And he's like, well, like the girl I met there lives, like lives there. And I was like, so are you going to go visit, like, a person, random person you hooked up with in Bali? And he's like, well, I don't know. Like, I'm going to do other stuff. Like, it, he made it sound like like he's doing other stuff. In Australia. Like, he's just going to Australia to, like, do his own thing. So I kind of passed it off as, like, nothing. And then I drove all the way to Ontario, got to Ontario, and I just felt completely, like, confused and deflated. And I felt like I'd wasted my time, wasted my money, and, like, everything about the trip was, like, just really traumatizing. Like I wish that I'd left the first day I got there. Like I shouldn't have stayed. And it's like, I know that, but I was so sucked into him. Um, and then he called, like he called me out of the blue a month after. And he said, like, I just wanted, I just want to check in with you to see how you're doing. And I said, well, like, yeah, I'm like going through a breakup and it sucks and I'm doing fine. But like, I just said, like, I'm doing fine though. And he's like, yeah, I was just, he's like, I was just in Australia, like just, kind of nonchalantly and I said okay cool like I don't need to know that stuff and um and then he's like so I just want to let you know that like unless it's important I don't think we should keep in touch and then it just like it, it was just so cold like it felt like really cold of him mm-hmm. and then you know I looked at the profile picture that because he messaged me from whatsapp and it was like him and this girl like this girl that he had met in Bali and like like they were like, I can, I can just tell because even now that's his profile picture. Like it's changing all the time. Like him and this girl, like every, I, I know I shouldn't check. Like I've only checked it like twice, but like him and this girl are in his profile picture multiple times. And like, I know that they met in Bali and I know that they're in a relationship now. Like they've, they're, they've been together for nine months and it just feels like I was set up. Like I had this, I always had this weird feeling right after the trip that like, there's nothing about it that felt honest and felt like he respected me. Like everything about it felt like either a setup or that he just really didn't care. Like just a person who 
has no idea the impact that he has on another person. Yeah, and in a way uh, that he was, you know, in the, in that summer he was propping you up and uh, promising a future again, and then oh. Uh, the thing I've been waiting for uh, has come along and now I'm just going to drop you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I would have felt better if I knew that I was dropped. Like I didn't know until after the trip was over that I actually was dropped. Like that's, that's the thing that like I felt was really traumatizing because like him and I had broken up so many times that I thought it was just like another one. Like I thought it was another like stupid, like, okay, we're broken up, but, like, not really. Um, and it just, like, I think it was traumatizing because he was, like, messaging her and calling her, like, when I was there. Mm-hmm. And 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 also the fact that, like, this other guy was there and knew the whole time, like, that that my narc was doing, like, my narc had met someone and, like, never said, I don't know, it just, the whole thing felt like I was, like, set up or, like, I was, like, in this, like, place of, ultimate vulnerability like ultimate like you're in a foreign country yeah and you have nowhere you have nowhere to go and i felt i felt you know that feeling when you're in a foreign country and i'm a tra- i'm i'm a serious travel traveler like i do go to like i've been to like costa rica and like um ecuador and stuff like i do travel on my own but for some reason on that trip i felt very very vulnerable to just leave like to go and do my own thing in that country felt scary and it just like I, I didn't understand why he put me in that position, and it just felt very personal. It felt very vindictive, and very like it didn't feel like he was just doing his own thing and was kind of a coward about the breakup. It didn't feel like that. It felt like he was purposefully like guiding me to this place. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like it's hard to it's hard to describe. But and since then, so I'll tell you how I realized that he was like a narc. Is after a month or so, I felt. I felt crazy. Like I was, I was living at my dad's house cause I moved to Ontario and I had nowhere to go. So I lived at my dad's house and I just remember feeling crazy. Like I felt like the same way I did when I was 18. I felt, I felt discarded. I felt like he didn't give a shit. I felt like nothing we had was at all like important to him, which like, I know like that's what breakups are and stuff, but it just felt like not like a normal breakup. It felt, it felt like that whole trip was really cruel. Um, like there was zero respect ever for you ever like like on the trip and and throughout the relationship too <laughs> yeah that's what i that's what i mean the whole, the whole entire relationship yeah. when you look back it it feels like there was actually zero respect at all and at, yeah. even not not at the like you take away the relationship uh, i'm probably putting words in your mouth but to even just take away the mm-hmm. relationship even as a friend and as a human being that there was a lack of respect is that accurate yeah 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 i felt like i felt like i would have been more respected by a stranger yeah on that like i would have wished like if i look back at the bali trip i wish i was on that trip with a stranger over him because because of the way he was treating me because of like the way like i said he like just conveniently forgot that we had dinner plans on a vacation together and was going to get like an STD check, like on our vacation. And it just, and then was like texting this other girl. And like that girl is now his girlfriend. Like 
how they met. Like, I look, I, I wonder, like, how he tells this story to other people sometimes. It's like, what do you say? What do you tell people how you met this person? Like, oh, I met her in Bali. And then people might say, like, oh, weren't you in Bali with Dallas? Like, weren't you in Bali with your girlfriend at the time? Like, how does that, how do those two things add up? Like, you met your new girlfriend on your vacation with your old one. Like, it's so weird. And I know this, I know stories like this happen all the time. So I'm trying to, like, like, it's it's kind of like how I console myself is I know that I'm not, like, this is not the craziest thing to happen, but I just, it really ruined my self-esteem. Like, it really felt, it really felt personal because I'd gone through the ringer with him for four years. Like, it really felt like, like, I'd done everything I possibly could do to prove to him that I was worthy of, like, his love and his whatever. And, like, at the end of it all, he just, you know, I showed up to a foreign country and he's like, nope, like, I'm done with you. Like, that's how it felt. Like, it was, I don't know. So when you, you, when you were back in Ontario, you're living with your dad. Um, you said you started to notice um, or uh, did you start researching narcissism or, or how did you come yeah. to find everything? So how it happened really, really slowly or I, I, well, actually really quick because of COVID, but um, I was there because of, yeah, so I was there in February of this year. So during COVID, so I got there February 18th and then COVID happened March 13th, I want to say. So the first month I was there thinking that's a regular breakup, thinking it's like, I just missed him. And I just think like a lot of stuff happened with us. Um, but then I start to like wonder why I have such low self-esteem. Like I never had, I'd had breakups before where it was like, you know, like you just feel like um, you worked hard at something and it didn't work out. And you're like, ah, I kind of wish I didn't waste my time. But I felt like like my soul was like, um, I, yeah, like my soul felt crushed. I felt I felt like unbelievably empty, like I had nothing to offer anyone, like I had nothing, no, like I had no worth. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't felt that way. I hadn't felt that way since I was 18. I'm like, I'm 34 years old and I'm feeling like I have no worth. And I said to myself, this isn't normal. Like I'm like, Dallas, you know what a breakup feels like. This is not your, this is not like a usual, like, Oh, it didn't work out. And we went our separate ways. Like this is like, so, um, cause I woke up every morning feeling, um, just worthless, like, like completely worthless. And so I just decided to, what I did was decided to reach out to his ex, which sounded crazy at the time. And I felt like absolutely psychotic, but I actually reached like a rock bottom where I'm like, I don't care. I don't care how I look to her. I don't care how I sound to her. Like, cause he had told me about one of his exes that he said that she was crazy. He said that she like, she cheated on him, that she, you know, like dumped him and like was really cruel about the way she dumped him and all this stuff. But I said, I'm just going to reach out to see like, was he this cold? And was he this, like, like is what I went through something that could be shared with anyone? Because I just felt so alone. And so I reached out to her, and she said, she's like, before we even before we even start talking, she's like, you're not crazy. And it, it made my it made, like it made my stomach because I sent her this long Facebook message that was like, hey, you don't know me, like that whole thing of hey, you don't know me, but um, just wondering if you dated um, XXX and. Um, how your experience was with him because I just feel like really strange after my breakup with him. And she messaged back and she's like, I will call you tonight at 7 PM. <laughs> and she said, just before I start, you're not crazy. She's like, he put me through the ringer. He was jealous. He was, we had so many, because I guess what he went through with her 
is that what he did with her is, is like the offensive kind of narcissist, like being jealous, being like angry, throwing stuff, like threatening violence with her. Mm-hmm. And he threatened to not only kill himself, but to kill her, like after the relationship, like he, he gave her like verbal threats over the phone and like he stalked her for a year after um, he was, he was like the typical malignant narcissist with her. And then I think when he came, by the time he got to me a year or two later, he was more like covert with me and more like, um, subtle. like everything he did was very subtle because he maybe didn't want to expose himself because he exposed himself to her really quickly. They only dated for a year, she told me, and she said she knew right away, but she felt so stuck in and scared of him. She felt like, um, she told me, she, uh, we talked for like three hours. It was like, it was crazy. Um, and by the end of that conversation, I felt so much less alone. And I, like, I'll be honest, before I talked to her, I didn't know what to do. I was like, I don't know who I am anymore. Like, I had no identity. It, like, I got to the lowest point that I feel like I'll ever get in my life. Um, and it's like, it's, it's scary. Like the, the lowest, the, the points you can get to after a, a relationship like that. Um, I realized that like you can, you can feel so awful, but then having just one person, one person believe you or like, see like what's happening is like, so un- like it, it helped me so much. And then, and then of course I started research, researching like narcissism. I watched one documentary, which is amazing. Like there's this, um, I forget who put it out, but it's just, it's a documentary about narcissistic abuse and each person like shares their story. Um, and then I found your podcast. So it really like, once I started to see it from the outside and I see it subjectively, um, or objectively, sorry. Um, and I take myself out of it. Then now I'm learning about me. So what made, what made me like fall into it? Like what, what was the, the dynamic between myself and my mom? What was my onset? What was my like like um, outlook getting into the relationship that I can learn from that? So I'm trying to be like I'm educating myself now about what happened, but I'm also still like I relapse all the time. Like I fall into deep holes where I'm like, you know, no one will love me. Like I'm awful. Like I'm worthless. But then I do go back and forth. So I feel like now it's been six months and um things like every every month. Like I feel like I just things get clearer and clearer. So yeah, I feel like at the end of the day, sometimes you have to go through stuff like this to like really learn um, what your worth is and like what not to tolerate and stuff like that. So, so now that you've uh, gone through all this, you're in the healing stages of things, you'll probably be going, doing a back and forth for a little bit, but over time, you know, things will get clearer and you know, um, you might be. Do you have flashbacks? Like, do you have like CPTSD type flashbacks where, yeah, like, yeah, like shame and guilt and, and things like that. Like, yeah, over time yeah. that that will lessen. Um, but before we leave, do you do you have uh, any? I guess words of wisdom for people that might be going through the same thing. Yeah, let me just think if I have anything super insightful. <laughs> Um, you didn't have anything written down. Come on. <laughs> I would say, I would say, you know what? Like the biggest thing I've learned from this is that human beings are super complex. And I took it so seriously. Like when I first learned about how, like when I first like realized that he's a narcissist, I took it so seriously. And I said, 
oh, like this, it felt like something evil came over me. But I feel like learning all of the stuff that I've learned and watching the documentaries and um, listening to your podcast, I realize now that it's actually just a human condition. What he is, who he is, is a human condition. And it's like, all of us are just humans. And like, we all have very messed up. Some of us have very messed up childhoods that uh, like force us into narcissism. So I think now I'm thinking of it as like narcissists come out of something, you know, awful from their childhood, but it's like, it's a human condition. And so no one can take away, you know, your worth. No one can take away like your power. They're just human themselves. And it's just like a disorder, right? Like it's just a personality disorder. So I think my word of advice is that it's not about you. It's like trying to look at the person as a human and as like a flawed human being, I think helps a lot with like the recovery um, because none of us are perfect. And I think um, at the end of the day, like we're all doing our best and you know, we're not what they told us we are. Well, Dallas, I really want to thank you from uh, the bottom of my heart uh, for you being here with us today and sharing your story. Um, so thank you for being here and for everyone else out there who is listening. I hope you have a good night.